were built to win the Super Bowl, and they have sealed the deal. The Golden State Warriors return to a familiar place. They're on top of the NBA world. They reach the summit of the Emirates for 2022 Stanley Cup champions. Episode 165 of For Future Considerations. The gang's all here as we end the month of November and enter December. I'm Manny, also known as Bruno Fernandez or Ronaldo or Bernardo Silva or any other Portuguese player, soccer player you want to mention. <laughs> Matt is here. He doesn't really like soccer, so we'll just say he's... I'm at the snack table. Yeah. <laughs> I got the Vuvuzela in uh, section 315. Okay. And then John is the guy behind the magic of television. He's the producer putting everything together in Qatar. John That's is right. here as he does with our podcast. He puts everything together. He makes the magic happen. The gang's all here, fellas. How you doing? Good. From what I hear, every decision that has been made around the World Cup being in Qatar is because of John Rashad. <laughs> Not surprised yeah. one bit. That's right. I'm the one who decided it should go there. Someone greased my palms. Yep. <laughs> yep. I orchestrated the mistreatment of all the workers. That's the kind of guy That's I am. That's right. I was wondering when uh, you were going to buy that third cottage in the Muskokas and uh, realized you had already had the fourth one just to started to break ground on. So, <laughs> Really, we should have caught on when he bought his fifth Tesla. <laughs> That's right. Well, you got to have one for each day of the work week, right? And he was and he was putting up his own electric charging stations along the way to his work, like building his own. <laughs> like, where is he coming up with this money? Now it all makes sense. I've never heard of a guy own a county road anywhere in Ontario, but he has put up numerous signs of Rashad Way and Money Lane. <laughs> Along his commute. He also has sirens on the top of his car, so everybody thinks that he's an ambulance and they all move over when he's driving right. by. It's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. It's how I roll, guys. It's how I roll. Uh, well, I don't know if you can uh, top top last week's episode, Rashad, but I know you're going to try. And once again, we want to say thank you to everyone who has listened to the podcast. We're close to reaching 7,000 listeners. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that. That's amazing. Yeah, that's great. And uh, again, if, if you are listening, tell your friends about it too. Don't be the only guy. Don't, don't hold us to yourself. Don't hog us. Don't be that controlling friend. No, no, no. They, you can't listen to John, Matt, and uh, Manny. They're mine. No, share. Tell everybody about it. Like it, comment, share, give us a good review on whatever platform it is that you listen to. And if you did listen last week, then you heard a crazy epic story about John Rashad delivering how many puppies in the backseat of your car? <laughs> yeah, it ended up being 10 altogether, nine in the car. Nine in the car. And do you have an update on these animals? Yes, uh, they are all doing well. Mom is very protective of her puppies. There are two that are a little bit underweight, so they're getting some formula, and uh, all of them are doing fine. And so what do you wow. get out of this? <laughs> yeah, nothing. Oh my God. <laughs> do you even get naming rights? Oh, I should. Really should. Yeah, I should. I should. Uh, Ronaldo and who else did you Ronaldo have? Fernandez. Uh, Fernandez. Or, uh, yeah, yeah. Arbol. <laughs> Yeah, listen, I, I didn't give birth to the puppies. Like, I would say, like, Trevor Linden, yeah. right? Like, 
Yeah, Pavel Bure. All your favorite athletes were shot. And the run like John Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, you sack your revenge. Yeah. <laughs> if there's one of the puppies that looks like it's not going to live up to its potential, Eugenie Bouchard, is that oh, one's name? Oh, man, it's on the top oh, row. Oh, 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 I didn't bro. realize it was going to be this kind of show. <laughs> <laughs> Although we we could bring back the placenta talk, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> we, had a, we had a running tally on that. We gave you guys a week to try to beat John's dog birth story. So, John, you're also our webmaster. Did anybody even come remotely close to that? Uh, well, we did get a couple of emails from Dave and Michael who said they couldn't top it, but they loved the story. Curtis said he loved the running tally for the use of the word placenta. And we also got a couple of direct messages on social media. Uh, the one worth mentioning is from someone named AJ, who said he spent last summer working as an Uber driver. And he said not only did he deliver food, and I'm quoting here, he also delivered good times to women in the neighborhood. <laughs> So, don't know if he was serious or not, but. (laughs) (laughs) Now, do you get a tip for that? I don't know, they did. Did you get like a five star rating? Like, (laughs) yeah, you got to be careful with the the comments uh, translating that one on Uber Eats. The portion wasn't enough. Uh, (laughs) Got here too quickly. <laughs> the meal was cold. <laughs> oh man, that's terrible. That I don't know if that's serious, but AJ, thanks for sending us a message, Curtis, Dave, Michael. We all we all appreciate it too. I feel like we all know who AJ is. <laughs> <laughs> Delivering good times, good times in the neighborhood. What, what, what restaurant slogan was that? Feeling good in the neighborhood or something like that? Wasn't that a restaurant slogan? <laughs> what is he, Mr. Rogers? Like, what's going on? <laughs> That's not pepperoni. <laughs> he shows up in a sweater. <laughs> if you didn't hear John's epic puppy delivery story, go back and listen to last week's debate episode. You, it's a must listen. It's a definitely a must listen. <laughs> and we're going to get started this week by looking at the beautiful game. Buchanan with the cross in towards Alfonso Davies! He missed the penalty in the opener. He makes amends today. Canada's history-making moment delivered by their biggest superstar. A goal the country has been dreaming about for decades finally arrives. The Canadian men's soccer team has finally scored a goal in the World Cup. It came 68 seconds into their match against Croatia on a goal by Alfonso Davies, but Canada won't advance to the round of 16 after two losses heading into their final match against Morocco. We did get messages from Kenny and Windsor and Chris and Leamington asking what we thought of Canada's showing. Well, I, I don't think we were surprised that they're not going to get into the round of 16. I know Matt, for the purpose of the debate, was all about Canada, was all about Canada advancing, uh, but we knew how tough this group was. I think for some people, um, maybe expectations changed after they had such a good showing against Belgium. Uh, Everybody thought, oh, wow, you know, maybe we could do something. And then we scored 68 seconds with that goal 
And we're going, okay, here we go. Maybe we are going to prove everyone wrong. But in the end, we just saw how good Croatia was. And I think the big difference being that when Belgium and when Croatia got their chances, they were able to finish and Canada didn't have that magic touch around the net. But overall, I think it's still a positive experience because now these players know what it takes um, at this level. Um, And they're going to be hosting the World Cup in four years in North America with the U.S., so they can take that next step, hopefully, in four years' time. How did you watch the games, Rashad? Yeah, I did, and um, looked to me like in that Croatia game, it looked like Canada had so much energy. Croatia just kind of took their time, watched what Canada was capable of, waited till about thirty minutes into the match. Canada sort of slowed down a little bit, it settled into a regular paced game, and then Croatia kind of took over. So um, high energy for Canada, and um, I think they'll learn a lot from just being in that environment, seeing what the other teams can do, like Croatia, which is a bit of a soccer power in that division anyway. And um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully they'll um, learn from it and grow and um, have a stronger showing in four years. Yeah, like they never really panicked, right? Canada scored 68 seconds in and Croatia was like, oh, ho-hum. They didn't mm-hmm. panic where maybe some other countries might have. Right. I think this was an embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> and I blame the coach for his comments <laughs> and his newspaper headlines. Yeah, so, so what do you think about that? Was that overblown or is that just the way soccer is? I think it was a little bit overblown. I also think realistically it, it was it was probably just it's probably the wrong flavor for where Canada is in the soccer world right now you know like if if I'm if I'm with you know working with the Leamington Flyers and we're about to play the Colorado Avalanche in an exhibition game and I say F the Avalanche uh, I, I, do, am I making any reasonable sense right now by by getting it <laughs> no so I mean I don't think it was any I don't think there's any or should be any negativity towards the comment. I also think it was probably something that was just laughed at from both sides of like, oh, okay, pal. Yeah, we'll, we'll see you on Tuesday. Yeah, like the Croatia guys, to their point, after that match, like were uh, – I was surprised by it again, I guess. They were really serious when they said those comments really pumped them up. Yeah. Like, come on, you're – you're a top 10 nation in the world of football playing a Canadian team that's just up and coming, not even in the top 50. Yeah, there's a bit of concern there if if you, if, if you like you said, are a top 10 country in the world in soccer and you still need bulletin board material to get excited for a World Cup game. That, that's going to be a problem for you down the road. But, I mean, it, I, and even his response the next day in the interview and in the comments he makes about how his wife said he's got to get in the gym and all that. Like, even him the next day is kind of like, yeah, that was probably that was probably a little much. Uh, but uh. That's a great line. We should try to get John Herdman's wife on the show. She sounds hilarious. That would be good. How about the tabloid picture, though? That was great. It putting was. the the maple leaf over the the uh, over the mouth and then over yes. the genital area. Yeah. Oh my god, that was amazing. That was well done. Somebody was just waiting for a day like this. Like, you know what kind of picture I would I'm gonna print one day? <laughs> Most of them think it's gonna be about Trump, but no, it ends up being the Canadian men's soccer coach. Yeah. <laughs> you think the world still thinks of us as one of the most polite countries in the world after all that? Yeah, because he apologized like six hours later. 
I mean, it was a little, it was a little much. Yeah, yeah, probably, probably said a little too much. <laughs> and we also had an email from Donovan in London, who's asking um, who we've been impressed with so far at the World Cup. No, well, I'm going to say a team. I'm going to say this on purpose so that Manny doesn't get to say it. Portugal has been unbelievable. <laughs> what a what a club. <laughs> Bruno Fernandes, <laughs> Ronaldo, Gabriel Fernandes, Miguel Cabrera, <laughs> Jose Abreu. These guys have been unbelievable. Well, I think you got two names right. I said, yeah, this is the, I think the 500 gets you in the Hall of Fame. Uh, listen, I, I don't know how this bracket plays out. I have England and Spain in the finals. That It's possible they don't even play each other in the finals, but they've looked pretty good so far. They're on the, they're on the right track to possibly meeting up and winning me $126. <laughs> that's not your pick. That's what the app picked for you. Absolutely, your app, yes. Right? Yeah. Let's let's yeah, be okay. clear here. I could have very let's well gotten. Clear. I could have gotten Forest Glade and Mississauga. I, I don't know who I was betting here. <laughs> I got two teams, uh, two countries I've heard of that I'm pretty sure played soccer. I was pretty happy about that. <laughs> it was not a strategic bet on my part. The the betting app picked France and Argentina for me. Um, Sounds great. I really like Spain. I picked Spain as my dark horse. Not really a dark horse, but uh, nobody was really talking about them. Everybody was talking about Argentina mm-hmm. and Brazil mm-hmm. and France. But I thought, hey, watch out for Spain. They've got some young kids who can play. And uh, so far, they've looked good. I've been impressed with them. By the way, um, I, I think you said that email from Chris in Leamington. One of the players on Team Canada is from Leamington. Yes. Steven Eustachio. Um, and that's pretty impressive to come from a small town and make it at that level. So a uh, shout out to Steven Estacchio. Oh, I was going to tell you guys. Um, so I went a little, uh, bet heavy, but I only bet a, a couple of dollars on each one. Yeah, I so I did several, I did several pinata picks for the world cup. So do you guys want to hear what I got here? Uh, yeah, let's go. What do we got here? So, um, so I put five dollars right? on, the... on the one that's happening yeah. this year. <laughs> yes, yes. Unlike I did for Euro last time around, <laughs> bet for this year's World Cup, but I meant to bet on Euro. Oh, but, um, so... Bet on the Olympics that my five-year-old might be participating in. <laughs> sit there. That's right. You got to get some growth hormone into him. I got some money on him. <laughs> um, so my first one, my pinata pick was uh, Mexico versus Germany. And then I decided to click a few more times. Uh, Denmark versus Argentina. Portugal versus Argentina. And then Switzerland versus France. Okay. You've got a couple hanging in there. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So I, I think that's that's pretty good. Like you've got your bases covered. Yeah. So altogether, I bet a grand total of $8 on all of that. Whoa, wow. yeah. All right. Big spender. <laughs> that's pretty good. Hmm. <laughs> I always tell my in-laws I have a five dollar a month gambling habit. <laughs> that sounds that's right. it. <laughs> so you're set for the rest of the year, then. Oh, that's my right. Gosh. That's right. <laughs> See you guys in January. <laughs> Can you believe what we just saw? This is incredible. You know, guys, I gotta be honest. I have goosebumps. Unbelievable. Oh, my God. And now it's time for our play of the week, and it is also from the World Cup. Using Lazovic back and fucking Rich Richarlson scores an incredible bicycle kick goal for Brazil, and it won our play of the week on our Twitter account with 42% of the vote. What's his first name? Or they don't need name? first names in soccer. <laughs> 
You just go by <laughs> Messi and Ronaldo <laughs> and Richarlson <laughs> and Cher <laughs> and Madonna. <laughs> that was a pretty cool play, although it was tight. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the plays, Matt and I were together and watched live, and we looked at each other and we went, whoa. That's the one what? I voted for. We're sitting the there tech. watching the, that, whoever the quarterback was. Moose is getting all the credit for having the sweet name and the catch. <laughs> but whoever that quarterback was just dropped that ball in that guy's hand. He didn't even move. <laughs> Moose's one-handed catch for Texas A&M. That was amazing. Moose, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. a great play. And the <laughs> hockey saves were pretty good, too. Yep. Yeah, it was impressive. Our play of the week brought to you by London Awnings quality that shows and remember to vote on next week's poll when we will post the options on monday you can always get the details at podcast ffc on twitter and now to the north american version of football and two teams on the weekend won their games by going for two in the dying seconds instead of playing for a tie you gotta love gutsy moves like that Playing for the win, not playing for overtime. The Jacksonville Jaguars did it in their win over Baltimore, and the LA Chargers did it in their win over Arizona. Michael and Chatham wrote in and said he thought it was too risky, and the coaches will be bashed for their decisions if they didn't get the victories. What do you guys think? Yeah, of course they will. But this is, I mean, you look at the two teams, and they're on very different spectrums. The Jacksonville Jaguars really don't have much to lose. They're not going to be a playoff team this year. The LA Chargers do. They're trying to stay alive in the playoff race, so it's definitely a risky call for, for them to, to make that decision. This is, to me, uh, where we're seeing analytics getting into football. I think the NFL in general, depending on who you talk to and who you read, is one of the slower teams or one of the slower sports to get into analytics. I feel like this is absolutely a sign that there are numbers and things, uh, factors that go into this to make coaches make that decision. I don't think this is a game as it's going, watching the play develop decision that they decide to do at the end of the game. I think this is something very systematic and and already planned for particular situations by these coaching staffs going in. And to me, that always comes down to numbers. So depending on what you read again and, and look for it, the, the percentage to make a two-point conversion and, and when the game is 40 to 42% or, or something like that, I mean, for, for a lot of these teams where Jacksonville was in a really good spot playing against a very tough team and the Chargers needed to get a win against a team that's, that's struggling and obviously has some, some holes in it in Arizona, I think this is something that in the coaching meetings at the beginning of the week when they play things out, they are looking at specific numbers on whether it's their team or the opposition and deciding at that point, if the situation brings itself up, they're going for it. And I think this is a perfect example of, of how numbers are getting into the NFL. It looks good for the fans, though, eh? Like when you're all jacked up until coming down towards the end of the game, you want to see your team go for it. For sure. And there were a couple of other games that went to overtime, like the Raiders being the Seahawks in overtime, mm-hmm. the Browns tying it in the last minute. But playing for overtime, and they eventually won it in overtime, like, would we rather have that in overtime and risk the chance of getting a tie or going for the win? I like I like the drama. You guys know I love mm-hmm. drama. Bring it all together. I love it. Like, Doug Peterson in Jacksonville, this is a team that has suffered through Urban Meyer and some very poor seasons. Like, Doug Peterson's trying to build a winning culture there. How do you do that? 
show some confidence in your guys and go for two and go for the win. The LA Chargers, you mentioned they're trying to get into the playoffs. With the victory, they're now on six wins on the season, and they're that much closer to getting into the playoffs. Like they're trying to gain some confidence towards the end of the season. I'm here for it. And I don't I don't know if I would agree with Michael in saying that they would be bashed for their decisions. I think some people would understand why they went for two, because they're trying to build that culture or they're trying to gain some confidence and get into the postseason. I think it's fantastic. And it's it's the reason why I like the NFL more than the CFL. Because in the CFL, you can miss a kick and still get a point and still win the championship game. <laughs> I have no reply to that because you're right. <laughs> and it really pisses me off that I don't have a reply to that. <laughs> but I was going to ask you guys, is it me or are there more games coming down to crunch time in the NFL this year than – in previous years. Like it seems like there are a lot of nail biters coming down to the end of the fourth quarter this year. I think you're right. There's a lot to it. I think there are a lot of much lower scoring games than we've seen in, in any year. And yeah, they're, they're coming down the wire and, and the chargers, like you, Manny, you make the point. I mean, look at what the, the chargers now have, like you said, six wins with the 17 wins. You got to win. You got to win like 10 games to get into playoffs. Right. So you're looking at the, the the rest of their schedule. They're in Vegas playing against a minor league team next week, so that should be pretty good for them. <laughs> they're home to Miami. They're home to Tennessee. They're in Indianapolis. They're home to the Rams. They're in Denver. Like, yeah, that, that going for that in that particular situation, if you lose that game, your schedule is favorable enough that you you should be able to win a good chunk of those and, and let the pieces fall. Now you're in a really good place. Like you don't, you, you have that buffer zone. They're not essentially in for, they're still going to need to help, help to get in. They've still got to win the games that they got to win, but going for it and taking that chance. Again, I think it's very, very premeditated. And I think this is all down to numbers of here is the play that we would run against this team in this formation at this time. And if the opportunity presents itself, they have to use it. I'd be more disappointed, realistically, as a as a fan, as a logical fan. I'd be more disappointed if you didn't go for it. Ultimately, you probably never find out. This doesn't make sense. But if you find out that they've been working and planning for this, and at the last moment they're like, "Nope, let's just take it to overtime," and and you lose, where you know they run a particular play, they've run it in the game before, it's worked. Now we're back in a game. There's 14 seconds left. Nope, we're going to go. Why would you want to go to overtime against the Baltimore Ravens when you got a chance to step on their throats? You go exactly. to overtime, they're going to lose that game. Jacksonville's going to lose that game. You don't stretch that game out. You you throw it into the air and walk away and don't even look at where it lands and say, all right, well, that's <laughs> there. there's our shot. <laughs> Especially with the rules in overtime in the NFL, you may not ever see the ball. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's all. I think it's all very premeditated. But I do like that that's now starting to become a, a, a consideration. And before we get into rapid fire, what do you guys think of my Vancouver Canucks? Huh? Heading into Tuesday night, they've won five of their last six games. Team on the rise. Uh, you know, your Canucks owe me about four dollars. <laughs> speaking of, of betting, <laughs> uh, we're trying to pick players to score goals on Saturday night when they're playing against the Vegas Golden Knights. Meanwhile. Every Vancouver Canuck player has got three goals in the last four games. <laughs> that would have been nice to know before we made the bet. 
Yeah, we wish we had you and insider knowledge. Yeah, we're, like, we're messaging all night. I've uh, just seen red messages, busy Tesla are the messages that I've seen. <laughs> seen pictures of, of you and Jill on a private jet somewhere with uh, with Elon Musk sitting next to you. Like, I don't know what's going on all of a sudden. Right, the sun at your back, the wind blowing through your hair. Yeah. Like, we're trying to figure it out. What's going on? And here we're trying to place a bet on the Canucks and Vegas Golden Knights. Now, who, who do you like? Uh, do you like Bo Horvat scoring today? It's just a picture of Rashad and Daniel Craig just driving along in an Aston Martin somewhere, both shirtless. <laughs> like, what, what, what's going on here? We just talked to this guy last week. I thought I saw Rashad in the photo with Portugal in the team photo before the game. Well, he's he's somehow rigged up in this Saudi Arabia deal. He's already got himself a Rolls Royce. He's got all the he's got all the Budweiser that Budweiser's going to give away. He's the reason Giselle left. Like we talked to the guy on on Tuesday last week. See the guy the guy delivers puppies and it's changed his life. He's AJ. He's AJ from the story. He told a second story. That's it. We're done. <laughs> so you're the one, Rashad. You're delivering good times in the neighborhood. It's your pepperoni. <laughs> Rashad does like sweaters. <laughs> Just showing up at people's door like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> That took me a second. <laughs> I was like, red shirt? Oh, no, no, no pants. Oh. <laughs> Only red shirt. <laughs> Are you ready? All right, now it's time for rapid fire and... Um, a little more serious here, of course. Um, everyone around the game has been sharing their love of Boreas Salming. The Toronto Maple Leafs legend lost his battle with ALS um, at the age of 71. We had a great question from Roy in London who said he was a big fan of Salming and he was the first player he loved when he started watching the NHL. And uh, he also asks who our favorite players were growing up. Ooh, wow, that's a great, great question. Nice job, great Roy. Question. Well, we're going to span different decades here, right? Like, yeah. Uh, I'm a little bit older than you guys. Um, So growing up, you know, I I always thought it was cool. My dad, being from Portugal, fell in love with the game of hockey. And we would always watch Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday night. So, and he fell in love with the Leafs because that's basically who was always on TV. And he loved Lanny McDonald, loved Rick Vive, and loved Borea Salmon. Right? So my Mm -hmm. dad was right there he was in that era um but watching him as watching him and watching the Leafs as a young kid I'm like this is the worst team in hockey there's no way I'm cheering for the Leafs and that's how I became a Montreal Canadiens fan because you either watch the Leafs or the Canadians on TV uh-huh. on hockey night in Canada and I became a Montreal Canadiens fan that way and all the kids all the Kids in grade school were basically the same way. Like uh, somebody had a Patrick Waugh jersey. Somebody had a Chris Chelios jersey. Somebody had a Nylon jersey, a Mats Naslin jersey, a Shane Corson jersey. I had a Bobby Smith jersey. I was a tall, skinny kid. And I was, I was Bobby Smith. Big nose. I had, I was Bobby (laughs) Smith. So that was my guy growing up. Uh, For me, um, 
trying to think here. I guess at my youngest time, I guess Trevor Linden was probably my first one because he was made captain at such a young age. Mm -hmm. And so following the Vancouver Canucks, um, he became my first really big player that I was really a fan of. And then Pavel Bure, just because he had so much flash compared to anyone who had ever worn a Canucks jersey. Uh, before that. And then um, Kirk McLean, I always had a soft spot for goalies. So I liked Kirk McLean. And then I have to say too, with hockey in Canada, Patrick Waugh, I liked watching him play and win uh, championships for the Montreal Canadiens as well. So those are my favorites. And then a little bit older, I got into basketball and Michael Jordan became my favorite basketball player. Yeah, I was uh, different from from both of you guys. I mean, I went baseball first. Uh, I was always a huge baseball fan, still to this day, but I didn't get into hockey until God, it was probably 12 or 13. Um, so for me, it was always the Tigers right out of the gate. Matt Noakes, the catcher. I wanted to be a catcher because of Matt Noakes. Um, Travis Fryman was my guy when uh, when I was getting older for, for a long time. I mean, the, there was always Lou Whitaker and there was always Alan Trammell and the greats that have come through the Tigers. But I always liked... I always liked Travis Fryman and I hated Wade Boggs because they played the same <laughs> position and Wade Boggs always made it to the all-star game and Travis Fryman didn't. And I never understood why. And it had to be Wade Boggs' fault. Um, and then I got into hockey and this would have been probably in the early nineties uh, when, you know, Steve Eiserman had been there for a number of years. They were starting to build the team in Detroit. Um, you know, then they go out and get, the you know Vladimir Konstantinov in the draft, the Lidstrom, Darren McCarty, Surrey Fedorov, all of those guys come through. But I was always I always liked the the guys that worked hard that got no recognition whatsoever in Detroit. I was always big on Tim Taylor in the years that they oh, won yeah. the Stanley yeah. Cup. He was a guy that would go out there and win a face off and immediately skate to the bench. Like he was just a specialist. He could win a face off anywhere on the ice at any time against anyone. And I always found that fascinating. Uh, Luke Glendening was the same thing for me in, in recent times with the Red Wings. Not an outstanding player by any stretch, but worked hard, won face-offs. So, you know, the, the teams that, that I always liked or the players that I always liked, they couldn't score worth a damn. But, man, they worked hard. <laughs> and, and they were all specialists in some way. So, like, that, those, those guys were the ones that always stood out for me. And, and that all makes sense. Like, watching when you're a kid or, or a young teen or preteen you're watching whatever is on television right like i was mm -hmm. oh i was sure i was into the bad boys in basketball yeah. i was into sweet lou and alan trammell because in strathroy you actually got tigers baseball yeah yeah on, on wdiv yeah and, and that comes into uh, where you're from right like i mean yeah like yeah. you said like we're shots in vancouver yeah right? like I'm so in, mm -hmm. in, in windsor windsor ontario when we didn't have cable or or whatever they've got today like we got nine channels and seven of them were American channels and the Red Wings weren't very good. <laughs> Not that the Tigers were, but the Tigers were in a, you know, we could go across the border and from the door of my parents' house to our seats, hot dog in hand at Tiger stadium in 20 minutes, maybe. And like, you didn't even hit the the full break when you're going through the border. That's what, that's what I'm talking about back in, in that day. So we'd go to 15, 20 Tiger games a year. It was you know, it had nothing to do. Check the schedule, and okay, let's go over to the Tiger game. So uh, that was that was always a big part of it for me. Was was growing up at that that stadium and and all that stuff. I'm I'm very excited. He doesn't listen to the podcast, so I can talk about it. But I got tickets for my little guy to go to our first NHL game together uh, in January. So that'll be That's exciting. Great. So yeah, it's 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 neat that you get to do that stuff, and he gets to talk about you know the players that uh, that he watched growing up and. Uh, and hopefully he's not a, a Lions fan. <laughs> <laughs> or a Tiger fan, Jesus. 
<laughs> well, that was a great question. And we have uh, another fantastic listener question. This one from Blair in Ottawa, who asked us to name an athlete in any professional sport that you wouldn't mind paying to watch. Oof. At any time Currently? or current? That's, I, say we, I say we go anytime. Oof. Okay. Like anytime. I'd probably say Jordan, right? Like, yeah, me too. Prime, yeah, yeah, right. Like, I, I think mm-hmm. we all agree that we think he's the greatest basketball player of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Like, no LeBron, no uh, for Kobe, sure. like for sure, right? Um, wow, current though. Um, uh, you know, we were fortunate to watch Connor McDavid in the OHL and actually broadcast games of him in the OHL. And you saw how he could be so skilled at a high speed, right? Like the game, that's why I love the game of hockey so much is because the game is so fast, Yeah, right? And you can skate up and down the ice. But the issue with most players is they can't hold on to the puck while skating that fast or Mm -hmm. do the things with the puck that Connor McDavid does at a high rate of speed, mm-hmm. like I, I would pay good money to see Connor McDavid play. Mm-hmm. So if if I'm thinking of a current player today, the speed of the game of hockey and what Connor McDavid can do with the puck is like none other in professional sports, in my opinion. Like this year, he's on pace to score 63 goals. Yeah. That's that's remarkable. Another one for me going way back, and I, this is shows, again, regional biases and who you grew up watching, but um, Cliff Ronning was always one for the Vancouver Canucks just because he was a little guy, and he never took a shift off. I never saw him coast. His feet were always moving. He was always battling against guys who were bigger than him, fighting to get into the corner, fighting for the puck, fighting to get the puck back, and just always trying to get to the front of the net. Like For a little guy, he was so much fun to watch because he worked so friggin' hard. Yeah. So you would pay good money to watch Cliff Ronnie. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. I, I would have gone with Connor McDavid as well, but I'll change my vote and say prime live at a Masters Tiger Woods. Yeah. Like mm, it's yeah. a little bit different with golf because you can't, you know, you're standing at the tee box and I'm I can't see where the damn ball goes when he hits it and then you gotta but to follow Tiger Woods on a Sunday at a big tournament when he was in his prime, I don't think that could be topped. And and maybe the greatest thing to judge that by is trying to replicate it yourself and never being able to do it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Tiger Woods, Cliff Ronning, Michael Jordan, Connor McDavid, like I can't right? Walk as fast as Connor McDavid can skate and score. <laughs> it's really right. It's it's remarkable. Great question though. Yeah, excellent. And here's another fantastic listener question. This one's from our good friend Dave in Owen Sound. He loves Michigan and was elated when the Wolverines smacked Ohio State in college football on the weekend. Dave says this is one of the greatest rivalries in all of sports. And he asks, what is today's greatest rivalry in sports? Well, that Michigan-Ohio State one's really good. Yeah. Because it goes back and forth, right? Like Michigan's won it the last two years, but Ohio State has owned it. Like, I don't think the Leafs-Habs rivalry is what it used to be, right? Even though Montreal came back from a 3-1 deficit and beat the Leafs pretty good a couple of playoffs ago. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm think like the Lakers-Celtics in the NBA yeah. back in the day, Bulls-Pistons. Um, 
The one that probably still stands the test of time, would you guys say Red Sox-Yankees? Yeah, I would say so. It's always there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're kind of answering my answer in, in the way that you're saying that. I mean, I don't think there are any. I, you know, I, I don't think there are any real good sports rivalries anymore because of the money involved, because of players changing hands as much as they do. Of you know, like you know, you look at some of these teams that had stretches for a long time that they were both really good for a long time, and it was the same teams coming back and playing each other over. That just doesn't happen anymore. You know, I think I think the best rivalries in sports live in college sports because it's more than just a game in a sense that like they go to that school like that is that's their school. You know, they are amazing blue. I know any number of people that went to Michigan State and Michigan and I know a guy from Michigan State who would turn down literally any woman in the world at any time if she stepped foot on the campus in Ann Arbor. It's, it's beyond <laughs> it's beyond anything else. So, And that's the one thing that I always feel like we miss in Canada is the rivalry of schools and, and having that intense rivalry at that age and, and to see it on the stages that you see it in in, in college sports, you know, Duke, North Carolina, uh, the, you know, the Ohio State, Michigan, like you're saying, those, those are great rivalries. But in professional sports, there just isn't any anymore. Like the Battle of Alberta sort of renewed its rivalry when Kachuk was there, but now he's in Florida. So yeah, what's like that going to look like this they're year? They're all moving hands, yeah. and you know, even even the way the NHL has the playoff format, and I know this is rapid fire, but even the way the <laughs> NHL has their playoff format, they're trying to create rivalries. You just can't create rivalries. Like nobody in Tampa Bay hates anybody in. Florida play in Sunrise playing the Panthers, you know, like the Leafs and the Bruins was a great rivalry because they'll play each other a pretty intense amount, but as well doesn't count as a rivalry to me when it's extremely one-sided, you know? Right. So there's, I, I just don't think there is anything left anymore for in pro sports like that. Most of these guys are talking and laughing during the games with each other anyways. You know, you mentioned yeah. college sports too. Dave also got into it about how there's, no coverage for Canadian university sports. No, at at the moment, no, I, nothing. He he was very uh, concerned about it, shall we say, uh, about that too, because there's nothing like it in the U.S. Yeah, wouldn't it be nice if like Queens and McGill had a huge rivalry and you could watch that on TV? the The only thing closest to that is uh, the schools on the East Coast for hockey, mm-hmm. like yeah. uh, U UNB. And um, right, um, yeah. When you're out there, like Saint Acadia, Acadia like that. yeah, Saint Effects, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a rivalry amongst those schools, but again, it's it's at a university college level. Yeah. Don't you know? Pump it up. You got to pump it up. And now it's time for pump it or dump it, and we're ranking the songs of the World Cup. The first two received mixed responses, so let's check out this song. The song we think is called Armbo, 
by Ozuna, Gims, and Red Zone. So, fellas, pump it or dump it. Wait a minute, Rashad. You haven't heard this one before? (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard of this artist and this song. (laughs) I I thought you were going to regale us about how it's in the top ten in the Billboard charts and... (laughs) Oh, all this stuff. Oh, yeah. This is a <laughs> Ozuna. Yeah. Yeah. This is a banger, boys. Oh, this, man. This he's, is good. Here we gone, go. He's gone so world he's, he's so Ooh. far in his head here. Mm-hmm. Ooh, this is great. Let's go. I'm going to Qatar tomorrow. We're shocking. I'm borrow some money. When your favorite sport moves at two miles an hour, these songs seem pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> regroup, guys. Regroup. You know what? This is a pretty good song. Of the three, three, this is the best one for sure. For sure. (laughs) And I don't know who Ozuna, Gims, or Red Zone are, but I would party with them anytime. Yeah, let's go to Qatar, baby. We shot the bills on you, buddy. And that brings this week's debate to an end. But remember... Just like John Rashad's parties, it never stops on social media. <laughs> Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram for future considerations on Facebook as well. Uh, we want to thank our sponsors on this episode too, London Awnings, Quality That Shows, and our soccer guy, Shane Topolovic of Next Level Athletics. He loves that song. Specializing in sport training and nutrition, Shane is all about the World Cup. So what does he do then? Does he watch a World Cup game, go out, jog around the block, and get back and watch the next one? Is How does he do this? No, what he does is he watches a World Cup game, says every player out there is shit and out of shape, and then he goes and plays a soccer game himself somewhere in a park, gets hurt, and then watches the rest of the day's uh, soccer events. <laughs> to my understanding, that's how it that's how it's working right now for Shane. Okay. <laughs> he would look up there and go, well, back in the day, I could do that, or I would do that. These guys have or their I would do that. <laughs> Alfonso who? <laughs> while, while eating a bag of chips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had some really good questions this week. And if you have any questions like those, don't forget, send us an email for future considerations at gmail.com. We love getting your emails and we love answering your questions on the show. Yeah. The boys, I'm handing over the reins to the boys. I'm going to Florida. So I'm not going to be around for next week's episode, guys. Hope you have a great time. I'm going to be listening, though, so just to make sure you guys still talk about the World uh, Cup. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Hey. Dad's checking in on us. I know, I know Dad's, Dad's out of town. Where's the keys to the liquor cabinet? <laughs> hey, next week's a big week. We're not going to get into why. This is a teaser. But next week is a big week for a couple of us on this show. So, And not just because Manny's going to be gone. So thanks a lot for listening to this one. <laughs> talk to you next week. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their M.O. for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.